Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 30th, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, I did say 30th Kessel Run Comics podcast. What's up, ESPN? Thanks for tuning in on a little cameo. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we have a top five to bring you and two pieces of speculation. So let's just jump right into this top five list. For number five on our list this week, ladies and gentlemen, we have Dark Knights Death Metal Legends of the Dark Knights number one. This book was more like kind of a special, just a, I mean it was a one shot, but this is kind of just more an anthology book than anything else. It had five or six stories in it that all kind of, you know, tell either an origin or a first appearance of a character, but this book is absolutely through the roof with prices. This book's cover price is $5.99, but before the book even came out two days ago on Wednesday, this book already on eBay was selling for $25 as its regular cover, its cover A, but it only had one other cover than that, and it was a 1 in 25 variant. The 1 in 25 variant out of the gate was going for $400. Now those numbers have come down both from the $25 mark on the cover A and the $400 cover mark on the 1 in 25 variant. These books are both $18 for the cover A respectively and $180 for the 1 in 25 variant, which is still way, way above your typical $25 to $40 range for your average 1 in 25 variant. Yeah, that is still pretty steep for, yeah. you know, something like this. And just for the little, you know, little first appearances in it, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not even a major character, at least not yet. And with a book like this, it's a good chance he won't ever be. Yeah. You know? Like, this is a good chance this is the only time we're ever going to see the character that's got this book like that. Well, yeah, this really is Origin of B-Rex, which is the Batman T-Rex. I could care less about that character. Yeah. But the the one character that this is making just all the hoopla about is the Robin King. The only other one that makes his first full appearance in this is uh, the Darkest Knight which is also a really cool character, but I think more of the jazz around this book is the Robin King. Yeah, and I mean, even with The Darkest Night, like I told you when I was reading it, this book is very neutral to me, and you thought I would like it because of who The Darkest Night is, because of one of my favorite superhero groups, and even then, it still wasn't nothing crazy. Right. You know? Yeah. Like I, I would have guessed that off the first panel. That's kind of crazy. When, when, well, well, I mean, hints. I guess you can see, like, uh, you know, his orbital socket yeah so you can see what color his face is yeah and so i just gave it away you know there's there's only one person looks like that yeah and this isn't marvel so but he doesn't have red eyes right not typically like the actual character no not typically but there's not that many people there that color right you know this is either a new character or it's him yep kind of thing and robin king was a neat story espn do you know what was actually my favorite story what's up in this whole book baby bruce wayne when that he accidentally turned himself into a baby. Yeah. That story, the last three pages, are the best in this book, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> the first appearance of baby Batman. Yeah, that is the funniest thing. <laughs> and I just, I don't know, that I can get behind. I don't really care good. about Robin King. I but did. baby Bruce Wayne, that's funny. I actually also really like the other story in this, and you probably didn't really care for this one, Castle Bat. I thought that one was kind of cool. 
that one's the one where like it wasn't actually a humanoid Batman. Oh yeah, the he Batman was, the city. was no. Well, it was like his one well, big yeah. building. Yeah, but the pitch was the man, the city. Yeah, and that that was neat. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. And apparently, the uh, Castle Bat is going to play a bigger role either in uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal number three or Dark Knight's Death Metal number four. Yeah, I read it in the synopsis while doing uh, Final Order cutoff. They hmm. said that Castle Bat was actually going to make an appearance. That's so, nutty. Yeah. So what would you rate it? Personally, this book for me, because I did enjoy The Robin King and I did enjoy uh, The Darkest Night, I would give this book a 3.5 out of 5. I'd give it a 2. Okay. And that's just because I like Baby Batman. If it didn't have Baby Batman, it might be lower than that. I'm just going to keep a book with you on that. Hey, I would rather you be honest about how you feel about a book. Well, tell me how you feel about number four. Number four is some heat. It's some Robert Kirkman heat at that. And heat is no pun intended. Yeah, because this is firepower. Number one, and this is a series that number one and number two came out on the same day. So if you come pick up the first one and you like it, you don't have to wait for more. Yeah. You can just go ahead, get the second one. Might get it while you're getting the first one. But this book, there was a trade... Or was it a one-shot? Uh, yeah, no, it was. It was basically an original graphic novel yeah. that was the origin story and prelude for this character, Owen. Yeah, and this is a super interesting story because with comic books, we deal a lot with superheroes. You know, you get the occasional supernatural and sci-fi stuff, but this character's power is so basic but so destructive in the same sense because... He, firepower he shoots fireballs that's his only power yeah but he's a, he's not in a superhero world it's martial arts yeah and so that's just that brings the little extra bit of intensity into it when he does it you know yeah it's not something that like oh cool there's millions of people that do like no you're one of the billions that yeah. know how to do this he was just taught by shaolin monks and apparently there was a well he was the first uh, one to do it yeah what i was gonna say is there was like the um legend or not the legend but prophecy the yeah. prophecy about about this one that's going to be trained by the monks and he's going to be able to be the first one in thousands of years or hundreds of years that's going to be able to you know have the firepower yeah and owen ends up being that character yeah and i think this book this number one i haven't read number two yet but this number one brought the heat yeah definitely and if Robert Kirkman can do with this what he did with Walking Dead, then this is something I can get behind. I do not like The Walking Dead. Yeah. And I, I there's no specific reason, just can I get behind it. I've read the first comic because mm-hmm. I bought it for my ex, and I just ended up reading it. But the show, I just could not get behind. But this is something I think I could watch. For sure. This would be re- very interesting as a show. And I would like the, uh, the martial arts aspect because I am very, very invested in Eastern culture. I like... You know, Japanese, even some Chinese and Korean things. I just really think their culture being so polar opposite from Western culture here in the States and in Canada and even in Mexico. Yeah. Like, Eastern culture is just so fascinating for me. So, I, I was hook, line, and sinker on this book as well. Yeah. And so, I don't have too much more to say about this. So, if you don't, then we can drop a rating on it. Dude, I'm going to stay where I was on the last book. This is a 3.5er for me. This is a 3. Point, this is a. Mm, this is 3.5 for me definitely okay yeah well ladies and gentlemen that means it was a 7 out of 10 between the two of us alright now it's time for my typical heat you know on our top 5 here's our Star Wars entry number 3 on our list we have Star Wars number 5 
So, me personally, I was super duper ready for this book days before I was refreshing my uh, digital server so I could hopefully read it, you know, a day or two ahead of time. But as always, I had to wait until Wednesday. But it's fine because exactly what I wanted happened in this book. It was really, really cool. Got our, you know, big reveal. The character that, you know, was in issue two, issue three, issue four in Luke Skywalker's visions finally gets revealed. And she herself is a force sensitive, like we all thought, but she is also in training. She's not a Jedi Knight. She's not a Jedi Master. And she, in fact, it's really, really cool because I had never thought about this before, but in Episode 4, Obi-Wan never says anything about Order 66. In Episode 5, neither Obi-Wan nor Yoda say anything about Order 66. So at this moment, all the way up till this exact issue... Luke Skywalker knows nothing of Order 66. He knows nothing of the Great Jedi Purge. He knows nothing about how not only Darth Vader is after you, not only Darth Vader is hunting you down, but there is a whole little inquisitorious, a whole group of 10 or 12 individuals that are dark side force acolytes that are going to be trying to track you down. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, this whole book... They solicited a 1 in 25 variant for this book. And though I only have three, maybe four people on sub or subscribe to Star Wars, I went ahead and pulled the trigger on the 1 in 25 because it just had a really blow-you-away type nice cover. See, that's what I was going to say because you said t- this book's got some heat. But how's it got some heat? It's wet. This yeah. book is sopping. Well, then it's dripping. Yeah, this book is It's dripping. got the drip. Yeah. Yes, Definitely. sir. You gotta, you gotta read it to find out. I feel that. Yes, sir. You do. Definitely. If you're a Star Wars fan, I would say like pick this one up just for like the key significance and the history alone. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I still enjoyed it. Yeah, it, know, was, it was still it was interesting, interesting character yeah. development for Luke and just the way I like the perspective she put on being a Jedi. Yeah, opposed to what everyone else says, you know, because yeah. you know I'm not huge on Star Wars, but when it does come to Star Wars, I like more of like the gray Jedi and stuff like that. I don't really like the good guys, but I'm not 100 percent for the Sith, and I feel like she very much had like that viewpoint, mm-hmm. you know. And I feel like none of those characters really ever sit there and they're like, okay, so this is what it's really like, yeah, <laughs> to be hunted down. <laughs> yeah, we're doing good. But, you know, it's not all sunshine. Yeah. And I really like how she brought that up, you know. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was very important for Luke. Because, like I said, his two masters before this didn't even bring it up. Yeah. And that is what a lot of people would refer to as willful omission. You how are many, how many choosing, years are between that? What, between, like, episode five and this? Yeah. Literally, probably weeks or a month at most. Oh, weeks or a month. Okay. Yeah, I was about to say like the number one is like seconds after Darth Vader cut off Luke's hand and told him oh, yeah. he was his father. Yeah. So. But just just imagine even months of like you like going through training and stuff, and someone's like, okay, so now I gotta tell you, people are gonna kill you or try. So, just look out for it. Keep running, Mister Gingerbread Man. Yeah. Boy, well, what would you rate it since you're so for me, hyped. dude? I don't want to go under 3.5, but it's not as high as 4. But at the same time, I also don't want to say 3.5 again because I'll feel like our viewers aren't taking my ratings seriously. But to me, this was right around 3.5. I'm not going to glorify it and say that it was above a 4 or even at a 4. Yeah. Because 
I can't wait for the next issue because the next issue's cover is just has has my mind wandering. Yeah, I'll give that one a three. I think I'll do a three as well. Okay. Someone's got a six. So Firepower is better than Star Wars. Yeah, between the two of us. All right, Jakob, give us the number two. <laughs> number the Skelly two Boy. is we got Batman number 96, The Joker War Part 2. And I really like how this cover didn't even happen in the book. Yeah, that that is disappointing because this is a really, really cool cover. On the A cover, you've got Batman straddling what looks to be a bat plane or a bat jet, and Joker's driving it. And Joker says, you know, I always said you had the best toys, and, you know, just having a field day, cackling his heart just right on out of his chest. But you see Batman straddling the uh, the cockpit of it with kind of like these hooks shot down into the bat plane, and this really would have been... a interesting fight or kind of back and forth what's crazy is this right here almost made me think about what happens in amazing spider-man between uh spider-man and overdrive oh yeah remember like how he's kind of on the car and he was trying to get him to stop i wish there would have been a similar scene with this cover happening in the interior yeah but that doesn't mean that the interior was lackluster we got to see dr freeze's sons in this one Aren't, they're named Ice Pop and Snow Cone? I think that's what it was. They're, they're named Ice Pop and Snow Cone, and God, I love them so much. Mr. That's Freeze is a gun. so funny. I love Mr. Freeze. Well, you remember, uh, I bought that whole arc from Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Remember whenever he defeated Batman? Not only that, but you asked me just yesterday if I would watch the Batman with Arnold Schwarzenegger playing yeah. Mr. Freeze. So you could and I was say, like, I'll pass on that. You could say I like Freeze. <laughs> Freeze is, he's not one of my favorite villains, but I definitely like him more than Joker. He's a cold mug, bro. Yeah, and well, I feel like a lot of reason I like him is because of the Arkham games. Yeah, and he plays such a like yeah he is role. he is a good character in the Arkham games. Yeah. Those cinematics are super fly. Yeah, like oh my god, I love him. But I just always love me some Freeze, and I really love seeing his sons. Yeah, that was a really cool part. I, I really also like, like his van. yeah the future like that whole part was kind of the first two to three pages of this story and it was cool because that takes place in the future that's years from this storyline so it's kind of almost a more futuristic gotham it was kind of cool because you see uh batman call to who we assume alfred but alfred died like 20 issues ago so it's probably not alfred but whoever his oracle is he called to his oracle and had his oracle put out like basically a text message or like you know a amber alert kind of thing a bat alert and so it stopped the kid from actually getting hit by mr freeze and his two sons and i just i don't know i thought that was super duper neat and but then whenever it gets snaps back to the present and he's waking up yeah no one there to greet him but Harley Quinn. And I thought that was pretty neat because we thought she died. Yeah. Because her throat got slit. Yeah, her throat did get slit. But I like how she just kind of like brushed that off, made it into a joke, called herself Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just thought that was neat. And the, like he, the lack of panic he had. Yeah. You know? I think I, I would have had less panic waking up the way I did and more panic after what Harley said. Like when he said, how long have I been out? And yeah. she said, three days. Oh, yeah, At that definitely. point, like keep in mind, just, you know, reverse those three days. You know, Batman just got hit with the toxin. 
the day before that or maybe the day before that day was the day all of his everything got taken away. The city is now basically run by the Joker. Yeah. So just three days of you being out of it, how bad have things gotten? And, you know, Trust me. kind of me. when he did get panicky. You know, he yeah. woke up and he was like, I've got to go. Yeah. And then like he left, he was like, oh, I've got to fix this. Then he was like, oh, I've got to fix this too. And then he was like, okay, I've got a lot of fixing. <laughs> <laughs> that really was the way it was. He was like, all right, got to do this, 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 and this. And i got to go now. Yeah. And I just, you know, it was interesting. I like how Harley chose not to call Punchline her name. Yeah. How he called, she called her everything but. Didn't she call her Knifeline the first time yeah. or something like that? She was like, Knifeline. Then she said, Punch something. I think she, yeah, something like that. But I thought that was pretty neat. This was a banger book, just all the way around. I I think it left off on a really good spot, too, because I like whenever uh, Batman is walking through that, what I'm pretty sure we're supposed to believe is the theater that he and his parents left as a child that made him into Batman. But when he starts walking through the theater, he doesn't know whether Batman or Joker has taken his money and refurbished this old theater and made it look exactly like that day that he was with his parents or whether that's the toxin playing tricks on him. And when he walks down into kind of the main auditorium where the theater is, all these people are around him, But and he has uh, his oracle again checked for heartbeats. Yeah. And your See, heartbeat's the only one in the room, buddy. That's then, more interesting to me, is who's the oracle then? Right. Because, you know, that's present, and Alfred's dead. Yeah. You know, like, that's not no Whoever years the in the oracle future. Is, is he hasn't had to be time. Yeah. You know, he hasn't had time to find someone new at that point. That's just someone who's there at the ready. Yeah. You know, like, who could that be? And see, I thought for a little bit that it was Lucius Fox. You know, the guy that was kind of his fill-in oracle after Alfred died. But being that that dude is kind of hostage to Joker right now. Yeah. And this new oracle or whoever's in Batman's head is claiming to be Alfred. But, you know, Batman said at the beginning of this issue, ha-ha, you're dead. And then whoever, you know, is his oracle spoke back and said... Master Bruce, you know, you wound me or you you hurt me by yeah. basically saying something like that. So whether or not this is all in Batman's head, whether this is, you know, a brand new Oracle that's trying to pose as Alfred, there's a lot of stuff going on in this book. Yeah. And it's hard for you to understand whether it's the actual book or whether it's the toxin. So it's kind of cool where we're playing through this limbo type area where we don't know whether things are real or made up. Yeah. Well, I'm personally going to rate this book a three because I think it, I think this is kind of right there where I want it to be, but I can't wait for 97. I feel like 97, for whatever reason, is just going to knock out of the park. I'm going to give this a solid four, and th- just because I'm not a huge Batman fan like I've said, yeah. but there was so much going on in this book that was interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, not Batman, though. Mm-hmm. You know, like so much of his world was interesting in this book, and I, I'll give it a four just for that because I don't like Batman, but I like the world. All right, and finally, ladies and gentlemen, what you've all been waiting for—the number one on our top five this week—is Empire X Men number two. This is a four-part miniseries, and this is the second installment that we've had on our podcast. This one, for me, way better than the first issue. Boy, this like, whole book was fantastic. Yeah. I didn't even we didn't even need number one. You should have started with this. 
Yeah, this, I I don't see how they could have jumped in right where this picks up. But, yeah, if they could have somehow started the number one with this issue. Yeah. Or this, just this would, kind of energy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This was a phenomenal book. You had so much going on. Right out of the gate. You know, Magic is sassy as ever. I don't think I've ever, like, seen her dialogue, like, mm-hmm. as much as she does in this book. Because she's just constant with comebacks. And just being snappy and witty. And we even get to see her transform. Yeah. You know, she sends two of the horticulture club to Limbo, grows her horns and hooves. Then she gets her armor and starts summoning demons. Dude, the armor was so, so killer. She looked like an absolute goddess. Yeah, that silver armor was something. I really was digging that. It's funny that her armor coming from hell would be silver, you know? Like, I would have thought it would have been kind of more, I don't know, red... Dark brown, maybe black. Wow. Something like Because, I mean, she wears a lot of black. And personally, like, I don't know. I was thinking she would go for more like a power color. Like, silver isn't a power color. A power color is like a purple or a red or a black. Like, those are the ones that, like, say boss. Well, you also realize her sword isn't like a power color either. When yeah. her sword's, like, at full potential, it's blue. Yeah, you know, light blue. Nothing about her goes for power colors. Well, I think the reason why her sword is light blue is the same reason why I think her hair is blonde. Is because she wears black all the time, so it's a contrast. Very often they like to throw those contrasts. I could say the same thing about uh, Warren Worthington III, my boy Angel. Like His costume is normally kind of red, and I think that has to do with because it contrasts well with his blonde hair and his white wings. I don't know. I think I don't... silver armor is cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It was cool. I was just kind of wondering. Like, I would have liked an explanation for why it was silver. It may not even really be silver. You know. True. It could be some kind of fancy metal. Could you imagine if it's one of those things where, like, whoever looks at it sees something different, or like you see what you're supposed to see? That'd be cool. Or you see what you fear. Oh my gosh, bro, that would be so cool. Well, that would be hard to do with armor, though. Yeah, well, like, what if the armor, that's what I'm saying, was, like, imbued with some kind of, like, demonic energy or, oh, like, yeah. demon magic. So, like, when, like you look at it, I look at it, you know, random person looks at it. Whatever we fear, like, or whatever would be the scariest thing to see her decked out in, that's what we would see. Hmm, that'd be interesting. That would be cool. But I think it's just some kind of cool metal yeah. from hell. It's probably some type of metal that can't burn. Yeah. Or, you know, melt. Yeah. But I really liked it. I thought the Horticulture Club was really interesting. When they hit your boy, Angel, with the pheromones, had them old ladies looking like some baddies. Yeah, that was kind of yikes. Yeah. The fact that the fact that Angel would even, you know, I want to know what was he in was that simping. spray. Yeah, he was simping really hard. But you know who was simping harder than that? Whoever that Jamie guy is that can clone himself. Oh, that, yeah. that was like five <laughs> or six men carrying the oldest of yeah. the Horticulture Club. Like, the one that could not walk. Yeah. The, the one, one that was in like a hover chair. Yeah. He was carrying her damaged, no longer able to float hover chair. It was like six Jamies. I was like, bro, really? That's, That's mad so simp energy. But another one, another great thing that happened in this book that was just super interesting for me was when Black Tom and Krakoa kind of merged. And yeah. he not only sent out pollen that manifested into a, like a miniature Black Tom on Angel's wings or like on Angel's shoulder, but it was super cool also to see that he became part of the gate. Whenever yeah. Magic said, all right, like all psychics, you know, from Krakoa, like please come to Genosha like right away. And 
Black Tom was like, all right, you know, we love your service. Thank you so much. And all the psychics came passing through. That was another cool scene, too, because you get to see Kid Omega. Yeah, you get to see, like, the the really weird, like, Emma Frost clones. Uh, you, You get to see this... Also, another blonde uh, female character that I wasn't familiar with. You get to see Mr. Sinister in the background, so that'll be super cool. I know you'd love that. Yes, yeah. that's just in his realm, you know, because yeah. he's all about like manipulating human life. Uh huh. You got you got the zombie master coming for the zombies. That's nothing, you know. Right. Yeah. So I mean. I don't know how you could do better than this issue when we've got two more issues left in this miniseries, yeah. but I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready. I'm all in. This is this has been phenomenal. We didn't even get to see so, too much of um the demon girl that's not magic. Oh, oh, gosh. What's her name? Scorn? Pestilence? Something like that? I think it is Pestilence. Is it? No. It's not Pestilence. No, because that was your uh, OC for TMNT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, just open like the first page. Uh, penance. That's what it is. Penance. penance. Yeah, like a yeah. penance there. Yeah, I was about to say, like, my boy Ghost Rider and his penance there. Oof. He dropped his favorite book, everyone. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. But I'm going to put a four on this. Dude, this, this, is, this is a four for me. This is almost four and a half. Ooh. Like, if this would have been a number four and we were ending with this much, if it ends with this much energy, that will be a four and a half. You heard him, ladies and gentlemen. Look out for, like, podcast, who knows, like 35, maybe 40 by then, something like that. But number four will definitely be on it. So that's a double four, making that an eight out of ten yeah. to end out our top five. All right, Jakob, would you like to uh, throw up your piece of spec, or would you like me to throw up my piece of spec first? Well, technically they're both my pieces they of spec. They are both your pieces of spec. But I'll, I'll talk about the one you don't know about. Okay. And this has been popping off recently. I seen this three or four days ago, and there are still news articles popping up a day, two days ago, about this. But it is being speculated right now that Allison Brie, Brie, it's B-R-I-E. Yeah, that'd just be Brie. Allison Brie is being cast to play She-Hulk. Because, you know, she's done a lot of voice acting work, and that role is mostly motion capture. Well, she she has done some live-action roles in, like, Community and Scream 4, but she's also in, like, BoJack Horseman, the Lego movie. You know, she's had strong roles, both voice acting and has a character. Live action. Yeah, live-action. And so it's being speculated really strongly right now that she's going to do it. And a lot of people are saying, like, that's the perfect one. She's had several Grammy nominations. She's just 37, so she's not really, like, too old to play someone that's young, you know? Yeah. If anything, she's kind of a a good fit to play someone 10 years younger, like someone who's, like, a 25, 27, 30. Yeah, Yeah, like, she's 37, but she could still pull off the 27. Yeah. Definitely. And so I feel like that's a very solid pick. I'd hope a woman in Hollywood, any woman in Hollywood who has access to that type of makeup, that that type of wardrobe, that type of capital, just in general, whether we're talking personally or in the film industry, I'd hope that any woman in Hollywood who is, you know, X age can play somebody 10 years younger. Just, yeah. Just based on, you know, movie magic. Definitely. Well... What else do you have to say about your piece of spec? Are you ready for my segue into mine? Well, uh, your it. other piece of spec. That's it for mine. All right, ladies and gentlemen, check this out. So, apparently, Seth Rogen is reportedly being eyed at two different MCU roles. So, 
they kind of talked about uh, Seth Rogen and being 38 years old and kind of being past his prime almost. Not saying that he can't still pump out great acting, but he just, for the roles that are going to be introduced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, most of these characters are on the younger side. So they were saying that of the two characters, there's one that he's more likely to play than the other. The less likely of those two characters is probably Nova. But Nova is going to be pretty heavily dominated by CGI. So there's still kind of some potential chance that Seth Rogen, yes, our happy, comedy-driven guy, might end up donning the Nova Corps uniform and be playing probably Sam Alexander, maybe Richard Ryder. I'm not sure. I would prefer Sam Alexander. I don't think he should do Nova. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you should do Nova either because the second piece, or the second you know rumor, is a whole lot better. So, as we all know, the Fantastic Four have been, their rights have been purchased by Disney, so now they're going to get their proper introduction and be well done. You know, done in the way that we want, just kind of blown away. The first family has never really captivated audiences the way a spider-man the way a captain america even has i just want to know who to if whenever they do fantastic four i don't know who the villain is true that that's the I would only love to thing know i that care too. about I mean, and if seth rogan's gonna be in it yeah yeah so for this second character people are saying that it's also highly dominated by cgi or maybe motion capture or maybe a bit of both but people are speculating right now that Seth Rogen will be playing Ben Grimm in the proper MCU Fantastic Four reboot. So, think about that. Would you rather have him as Nova? Would you rather have him as Ben Grimm? I could totally see him being the thing. Yeah, definitely. The only issue I see with that, because don't get me wrong, Seth Rogen is a phenomenal actor. He's phenomenal at acting like the average Joe. He's phenomenal at doing anything funny, but what if they try to do something sad with Ben Grimm? Because while Ben Grimm is a pretty cool character, he also has a lot of sad moments. Oh, for sure. You know, and I just don't know if Seth Rogen can pull off that level of, like, trauma. Mm-hmm. You know? Because, yeah. like, Ben Grimm does, like, live, like, a pretty normal life, even though he's the thing. Yeah. You know, he just wears his trench coat and hat and, like, goes and does normal stuff. Right. But if there's anything, like, is this after his wife's dead? Is his wife still around at this time, even though she should be dead? Right. But, like, you know, are they going to do something weird and make her still be alive so Ben Grimm's not, like, really sad, but he can't kill himself? Because that's, <laughs> that, that's, that's a problem for him. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's the thing. He can't really, like, do anything about it. Yeah. And so, like, you know, I don't think – but I doubt they're going to take that to on, like, a cinematic scale. You know, we've seen that in the books. What? Like, his sad boy yeah. moments? Yeah. I doubt they'll do that on, like – the silver screen? Yeah. But if they do, like, I just don't know if he's the one. Yeah. That's the one thing that has me, like, True that. can he do it? All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that kind of concludes our podcast. We had our top five, as usual, and we had two pieces of spec, luckily, this week. But anyway, this is Macadelic and Skelly Boy. And as always, this is us signing out. Later.